turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's exactly what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today we continue in this series on the Spirit-Filled Life as Pastor Sean talks about Spirit-Filled Power. You know, one of the last statements Jesus made was that his followers would receive power. So what did he mean by that? What does spiritual power look like in the everyday experience of followers of Christ? Well, if you're interested in this free gift that's available to you right now, keep it right here. It's time for Radio for Real Life. The Spirit-Filled Life. And today I want to talk about spirit-filled power. You know, we all have different ideas of power, and we have different experiences with power. Some good, some bad. Uh, I had an experience with power. Um, Some of you guys who know me, now I'm not particularly a car guy, okay? There are some guys who are totally car guys, you know what I mean? I'm I'm not one of those guys. And those who know me might say, well, yeah, but you got a convertible, that's kind of a car guy. Yes, I have a Toyota convertible, and it, that was a total accommodation. That was a compromise. You need to understand that. Because when I turned 50, I was supposed to get a Harley. I was ready. I had the chaps. I had the bandana. You know, you get a certain amount of gray, you get a certain amount here, and you're entitled to a Harley. That's just kind of how it works. Well, no. My wife just uh, hates motorcycles. You'll kill yourself. The children will be orphaned. I'm like, the kids are adults now, honey. The grandchildren will be orphaned. So we went back and forth, and well, you see how it went. The compromise was a convertible, which, to be honest with you, I have thanked her for, for doing that because I probably use it a lot more than I would ever, you know, get the chaps and bandana on and go out, you know, but have a good time with that. But uh, yeah, other than that little thing, I'm not really a big car guy. And, I, and it's like I've never really, that hasn't been my thing. My car before this was a pickup truck, and it's just, I kind of fairly utilitarian, have been. Uh, <clears throat> we have this thing that happens in one of our parking lots. They rent one of our parking lots. It's called Dream Cars. And they bring a Ferrari and a Maserati, and you dri- get to drive the car. It's 100 bucks. I remember when I first heard that, 100 bucks. I'm not paying 100 bucks to drive a car. And, and, and who, nobody else should pay 100 bucks to drive a car. I just didn't get it. I'm just like, okay, cool. They set up a course, and it's three laps around, you know, the course they set up in our big lot, the big far lot. And so, you know, they've been doing it for a while, and I'd hear people out there, and and people lined up to pay the 100 bucks. I'm just like, I don't get it. You know, I kind of thought, that seems a little childish, but whatever, good for you. Well, Mike McGuire comes one day and says, hey, let's go drive the cars. Let's go drive the cars. And so, since I'm the senior pastor, I got a free ride if they want to keep using our lot. So, uh, uh, what did I say that out loud? <laughs> yeah, they gave us free rides. <laughs> and so, I go over there, and I get in the car. And, you know, it was kind of cool. Take a look at the picture. Mike took a picture. So, you know, I, I, I got to admit, I look kind of cool in the car. But I'm all still like, okay, whatever. The guy's, guy's in it with me, because he's not going to just let me take off in their, you know, Ferrari, Right? So we get into position, he goes, okay, drive through here, and then punch it. 
And so I'm like, okay, you know. I get to the back side of that lot with a long deal, and I punch it. Oh, my gosh. Zero to 60 in like three seconds. And I'm, I'm, and by the way, age-wise, I went from 50 to 12 in three seconds. Okay? I'm 12 years old now because it was the most awesome thing I'd ever experienced. It was like, it, seriously, the closest thing I can describe it to is taking off in a plane. You know, you got the G's. I, I had, I, I felt G's. They were actual G's, you know? And I, I mean, seriously, it's just like, this thing. I'd never driven a car before. I had never driven a car before. This was unbelievable. I don't know if I'd pay a hundred bucks to do it, but I certainly understand why people who are into that do. It was like nothing I'd ever done. It was awesome. That was power. When we were done, I go, I get back in my car, my car was broken. It's broken. I didn't know the whole time my car, I have a broken car. I mean, Toyota's great. It's efficient. It's dependable. But dude, it, I press that little thin pedal on the right. Nothing happens. Nothing. Not like the Ferrari. That, I was just like, oh, that's what they're into. That's power. And it's one thing to have that happen with a car. I, my thought, though, as we enter our conversation this morning, is I wonder if that's similar to the experience that a lot of people have with their Christian faith. They read about the power in the scriptures. They hear about the power, but you know, theirs is broken. Their car is broken. It's not like that. It doesn't work like that. And I want to say that is a tragedy. Because we have this faith that... Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. you. What do you think Jesus is talking about? A power of personality? Some more physical strength? I think he's talking about something way beyond anything like that. He's talking about something real. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Zacharias, one of the minor prophets towards the end of the Old Testament. Book of Zechariah is written during the time of the rebuilding of the wall and the temple. It is the kind of after the exile, the Babylonian exile, and they're coming back. These little kind of scraggling bands of almost refugees from Babylon. They've been allowed to come back and into Jerusalem, which was torn down. They had, the Babylonians had occupied it. They had destroyed the temple. It was a train wreck. And these little groups would come back, and they were, you know, you've read Nehemiah. They were rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem because the wall had been destroyed in the assault. Ezra was tasked with help being a part of the, the re-outfitting and re-initiating the temple. Well, the book of Zechariah is a series of visions to those people. And we're going to look at a particular vision that was directed towards the governor of Judah at the time. Now, it sounds like an important position, and it was, but yet it's this kind of ravaged, rebuilding, kind of a raggedy crew. And his name was Zerubbabel, and he was the governor of Judah. And Zechariah had a series of dreams, and there were prophetic words, the different ones. And this is a word in Zechariah 4 to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah. Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up, like someone awakened from sleep. He asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see solid gold lampstands with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it, with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the others on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? He answered, do you not know? 
You don't know what these are? No, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Now, that's a familiar passage. It's quoted a lot, so we may be familiar with that. But it's not where it ends. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. How? By my spirit, he just said. It's not by military might. It's not going to be excavations. It's by my spirit. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it. God bless it. The capstone was that kind of cornerstone of the foundation of the temple that was going to be built. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation for this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. And then listen to verse 10. Who dares despise the day of small things? What's he talking about? Who dares despise the day of small things? What he's talking about is there were people who were still alive that remember Solomon's temple and remember the splendor and the glory. And they're looking at this little foundation in this kind of bruised and battered city. And it's like, this is never going to be anything like that. There's just this kind of scorn for what's happening. And the Lord is saying through the prophet, who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that reigns throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. In other words, who are you to despise something when God is doing something? Oh, it may not look like much now, but be careful. Because it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Verse 11, then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on the right and on the left of the lampstand? And I asked him, What are the two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, don't you know what these are? No, my Lord. So he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. I honestly believe this gives us an amazing picture of the power of God's spirit. He's teaching, he's giving Zerubbabel this word to tell him about the power of the spirit that would be with him and that would work through him. Three traits of the Spirit's power that I think we see in this brief reading. One, it's a different kind of power. Okay? It's something totally different. It's not just more human power. It's not just more physical power or persuasive power, personality, whatever. It's the power of the Spirit. And it is greater than any human might. It's greater than any human power. No exceptions. You're like, well, the government's pretty powerful. Yeah, not compared to this. This is a different animal. This isn't like political power. Well, but there's some really powerful business people or powerful businesses. Yeah, not like this. This is a different game. We're not talking about economic here. We're talking about something bigger, something transcendent. Not by might, not by power, by my spirit, says the Lord. A second trait of the Spirit's power that we can draw from this is it's not just for, quote, spiritual things. Now, understand, everything is spiritual. But we think of the Spirit of God, well, yeah, for sharing the gospel, for, for leading in worship, for preaching, for things like that. Zerubbabel is a he's a governor he's a regular secular leader and he's building a building it's the temple but he's doing actual construction and what the Lord says you're going to see amazing things use that phrase this mountain is going to be moved you're going to see that not by might not by power but by my spirit and it's a regular guy doing a regular job that's a eye-opener for a whole lot of people. A lot of you think the power of God's Spirit is only for when you're doing religious things. I just want to say to you, when we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we're filled with His Spirit. The power of the Spirit is every day. It's in my neighborhood. It's at my work. It's at my office. It's in my family. It's in my marriage. It's with my kids, my money. 
The power of God is like for every area of our life. It's not just for the, quote, religious or spiritual thing. Now let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Spirit-Filled Power. It's all in a series called The Spirit-Filled Life, as found on the sermon page at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now back to the message, Spirit-Filled Power. This is Radio for Real Life. And number three, it's an inexhaustible supply. That's what those trees are about. The olive trees providing oil, because he says there's a lamp. The whole vision was centered on a lamp burning. And oil always represented the Holy Spirit. And these olive trees says there's like a pipe going from the branches to keep perpetually providing this oil. In other words, the oil of the Spirit is an inexhaustible, never-ending supply. You remember what Jesus said when he's talking to the woman at the well? He says, the water that I'm going to give you, anyone who drinks it will never thirst again. It's inexhaustible. Moses was a great example of this. You, you remember the story? Moses, his calling by God and you know, he sees a burning bush in the desert, right? Well, any of us who live in South Texas and know how dry it gets, if you've had a burn pile of cedar sitting there and then you light that thing on fire, yeah, it doesn't burn forever. It burns fast and it's gone. It's like, and then it's gone. Well, Moses should have known something was up. He sees this bush and it says it didn't burn out. It just kept burning. So he turns aside and goes, sees it. And remember, the Lord starts to talk to him. I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And then you remember the wine fest starts. All Moses needed was cheese and he had a party because he starts whining. Lord, I can't. Pharaoh will be mean. Pharaoh's really powerful. God, I'm not a good speaker. Send someone. I mean, really, you read it. It's like, at a certain point, it's like, Moses, you're talking to God. But there's a little humor almost in the thing. Here he is whining. I can't. I can't. And there's a bush that keeps burning through this rather long conversation. And it just keeps burning. It's like, Moses, open your eyes. You are standing before... God isn't just kind of choosing funny, creative ways to show up. He's giving you an illustration. That bush was not burning itself as fuel. Moses, you're not going to go in your own power. You are going to go in the the inexhaustible supply of God's spirit. Just like this bush is burning a different fuel. Because when it stopped, the bush is still there. The bush was not what was being burned up. There was something else. And God was trying to say, Moses, it's not about you. I'm going to do this. I just need you to be an obedient vessel. And that's what's happening here with Zerubbabel. The spirit, it is a different kind of power. It's not just for the, quote, religious things. It is an inexhaustible supply. You see, our faith is supposed to be a faith of power. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.18. He says, there were false teachers. There were some folks who were kind of 
in denial of Paul's ministry and trying to kind of blow him off. He said, verse 18, some of you become arrogant as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I'll find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. Listen to what he says in verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. I got to tell you, we've had a lot of talk. In fact, in the context of, of our faith and Christian circles, I've told you, we've, we've got plenty of talk. We've taken words to a new level between publishing and blogs and media. We've got words galore. But I wish we could say the same as far as power. And what Paul says is this faith of ours is not about talk. It is about power. So how's it going in the area of power? If you're taking notes, write this down. The spirit-filled life is marked by spirit-filled power. I just want to say this is the core of this message. This is, what, this is one of the reasons I want to teach this series. Because I believe we're supposed to be living in a power of the spirit. It's supposed to affect every part of our lives. And sadly, too many of us, that's not our experience. The spirit-filled life is marked by spirit-filled power. We are called to live, serve, and work in spirit-filled power every single day. It should mark our days. It should mark our lives. It should mark our faith. Now, what does the power of the spirit look like in the life of a believer? I told you before, I grew up in a religious heritage where sometimes, you know, the spiritual people were a little odd. And, you know, the main sign of someone who's really spiritual is the eyes. You know, you look at the eyes. They have crazy eyes looking at you, you know. And, oh, that's, that, they must be very spiritual. Look at those eyes. Ooh, that's scary. With the prayer thing, you know, I got the hot hand. Mm, 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 you know. Is that what it is? That what it is? And, and let me just say something about odd, uh, first of all. If you are actually operating in the power of the Spirit, just understand something. That might seem a little odd to some folks. So to give a, to give a little break to the odd among us. If you actually begin following the Spirit, it's going to seem different. Because remember, we've talked about conventional wisdom, common sense, right? Conventional wisdom and common sense, they are wonderful when you're balancing your checkbook for accounting. You know, Stick with conventional wisdom, common sense. Dental hygiene, please do us a favor. Stick with the conventional wisdom, the common sense. But when, it talks, when you talk about experiencing the power of God's Spirit, the power, the life-transforming power of the Spirit... Sometimes it departs from common sense because at times like that, common sense is just common. Don't expect people who are unspiritual to understand what you're doing when you're walking in the power of the Spirit, to understand the decisions you make, the things you do. Another point that is worth noting is that I think sometimes these people we consider odd, and I just want to throw this out here, not always, but sometimes, um, they may actually have a little easier time walking in the power of God's Spirit because the same person who's a little bit socially awkward, who doesn't really catch the clues and who doesn't care what other people think, and we're, we're looking at him like, well, sometimes maybe you should care a little bit about, what, you know, you know who I'm talking about, right? Well, while that might be a weakness in certain areas, um, that same kind of disregard for what others are thinking, maybe it could cause them to be really open to following God's spirit and not caring what anybody else thinks. I'm not saying that's always the case, but I am throwing it out there. We can talk about that more another time. If I start to get weirder as I get older, I'll bring that one out again. But what does the power of the Spirit look like? If it's not just oddity or any of the things we've seen, what does it look like? Well, I want you to write three words down. Write down the words see, do, and produce. See, do, and produce. Because I think the power of the Spirit causes us to see things others don't see. Really. I think people who are walking in the power of the Spirit, they see things others don't see. They see possibilities others don't see. They see spiritual warfare or an enemy others don't see. They see the power of God. They see vision 
that others don't see. They see things that other people just cannot see. That's the power of the Spirit. They do things that others don't do. And this makes perfect sense when you stop and think about it. If I'm following in my own way, doing my own thing, and now all of a sudden I'm going to follow the Spirit, I'm going to do things differently. You know, when I come down to that point of saying, you know, I'm going to make a decision about something, and, well, then this is conventional wisdom. This is what I should do. This is what, this is what everybody says. I, should never, I shouldn't be surprised when the Spirit says, no, I want you to do this. But, Lord, if I do that, I'll lose this, or they won't understand it. Just trust me. You begin to follow the Spirit, you're going to do things that other people don't do because you're following a different leader. And you're going to produce things others don't produce. You're going to see things others don't see. You're going to do things others don't do. But because of that, you are going to produce things others don't produce. You're going to see the power of God. You're going to see miracles. You're going to see the Spirit of God move in ways that other people can't see because they're not living in Spirit-filled power. Now, a few things that I think are really important, a few key elements of spirit-filled power, real briefly this morning. Number one, operating in the flesh is the biggest obstacle to spiritual power. Number one obstacle to spiritual power is operating in the flesh. What do I mean when I talk about the flesh? Flesh is that carnal nature, that part of us that always looks out for number one. It's all about me. That's the flesh. Okay, Galatians 5 gives us a little better definition, a better picture. Flip in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. The Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Galatia about this very thing. This is a significant truth that this verse, this, these verses teach us. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Listen, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Um, that is a huge thing. Lots of us should probably memorize Galatians 5.17. Desires of the flesh are opposed to the desires of the spirit. What that means is in every single one of us, we have spirit and we have flesh. And they are at war. And what that means is one is good. Uh, what's good for one is bad for the other and vice versa. That's really important. You're like, wait a minute, when I keep a follower of Jesus, isn't that all over? I mean, we, think, we tend to lean on two extremes here, okay? We tend to go, oh, it's all over, and I, I don't have that anymore, and I'm just going to live perfect all the time, and I'm perfect all the time. Anybody who tells you that, they're lying, okay? Or they're deluded. They're clueless, okay? But the other extreme is over here that says, oh, I'm going to have this flesh and I just got to keep, and I'm just a sinner and I'm going to keep doing that until I'm with Jesus one day and I'll just hope to entrust it all to grace. Uh, that's not what Paul is saying at all. That's every bit as much error as the other. What he is saying is we have flesh and spirit in each of us. We have a choice. We have a choice. We actually can overcome the flesh by the power of the spirit. That's what he's telling us right here. So the... Flesh and the Spirit are against one another. They oppose each other. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Listen, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Some of you might be going, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good Christian, so I'm not really caught up in any of those. You know, that's not my thing. And, and just say, okay, if that's true, God bless you, way to go. You know, but then we move on. Enmity. <laughs> strife, jealousy. Okay, I, as a pastor, I don't know about these things, but you guys, I know you. 
I mean, it's really easy for me to go, okay, I'm a, as a pastor, I'm, pre- I'm pretty good on the first row, okay? I mean, sorcery occasionally, but not, no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. That was a joke. But when I get into, and, and you're like, but you're a pastor, man. If anybody should be able to just totally not think about the flesh at all more, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, Folks, just because I'm a pastor or just because we're in ministry or just because we're Christians doesn't mean that those, those are out of the flesh. Because we every time, every time we come into an encounter, every one of us has this thing of, okay, this me, what's good for me? Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. By the way, what he's saying is that's not an exhaustive list. That's just a for example. And things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Folks, it would be great if we could say that's never a temptation, but folks, every one of us knows those are things that we all have to struggle with. We all have to struggle with. Anytime, and I don't care who you are, anytime you have an encounter. I mean, it's real easy. Someone, and you get into this encounter, and this, this thing comes up, and it's like, uh, you know, and you're like, I just want to smack them down. And let me tell you, as a pastor, I can spiritualize that. Really, I can even quote scriptures, you know, I, I, you, how I need to help bring them Jesus. I need to put them in their place and get, take, deal with that pride in them. And I can get all worked up. And then I stop and I listen to the spirit. And the spirit's like, no, no, no. What I want you to do is I, I want you to listen to them. I want you to be patient. I want you to forgive. But Lord, they need a smack. In the name of Jesus. And he's like, yeah, Jesus didn't have anything to do with that. That's not about Jesus. That's about your flesh. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. If you'd like to hear this full message called Spirit-Filled Power, it's available right now on demand when you find the sermon series on the Spirit-Filled Life at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.